Explore with Michelle, an advocate for people who want to be empowered. People who want to connect to their physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. People who desire a relationship with the natural world that surrounds them. Follow Michelle on social media. Scan and book your appointment today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 360 Wisdom Speaks, and we'd like to welcome our guest, Miss Phoebe Leona from Beacon, New York. Welcome to the show, young lady. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Beverly. Thank you, Nicole. Well, we're going to have an exciting time. I'm going to read a short bio, and then we're just going to let Phoebe share everything about the magical stuff that she does. She is the founder of... <laughs> founder of the Nomad Collective, and the creator of a somatic practice. She's a yoga professional, transformational guide, and an author. Yep, tell us about your book. She loves dancing and, of course, yoga because she's a pro at it and loves doing transformational things as she guides her audience and her students and probably coaching and everything else men and women of all ages to feel more embodied through the somatic movement and expanded awareness practices to become more empowered. Ooh, I got chills on that one. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, well, I'm interested in this because I, I, I do yoga. I do a lot of different types of yoga. So it's kind of in my blood, but don't talk, you know, talk about yoga language. Not so much. I just like to do the movements and all that kind of fun stuff. And so I've tried numerous different kinds. I didn't realize there were so many different forms of yoga. So if you want to share with the audience a little bit about, you know, some of, you know, the yoga that you have done and why you went off and spun off and done your own thing and how that's impacted your life by doing that and impacted, you know, how you impact, you know, the lives of others with this somatic technique that you're doing. Thank you for that. So yes, I primarily started as a yoga teacher over now, I think it's over 17 years ago. Prior to that, I was a dancer. Um, and I love to I love to speak about how there are so many doors into yoga. So maybe Beverly, you had, it sounds like you had this door of the physical practice and that was mine too. Like you like to do the moves, as you said, and I did too. So as a, as a dancer, I came in for it more so as like a physical therapy, but then what you find out quickly is that you get so many more benefits beyond the physical. So there's, you know, the spiritual connection, there's the mind body connection, there's the emotional connection. And that has been my journey the last 17 years as a practitioner, as a teacher. And, and it led me to the word that you spoke of, of somatics. So somatics being just of the body, really witnessing what is here in the body now. And so yoga really teaches about how to be present in the body, how to be more, you know, the word that we use a lot of time in yoga is mindful. Um, I've really shifted that, that dialogue more to awareness versus mindfulness because it's it's with this idea of that we're not going to have to change anything the awareness is the transformation so when we sit in this what we call somatic practice we're being really present with the physical sensations in the body maybe the energy being emotion in the body 
not with this expectation of having to change it, but just to really, truly be with it, feel more embodied. And then with that, there's this transformation and, and comes from the empowerment of understanding who you are and how do you fit into this world. So that's just a little bit of what I've transitioned into. Yes, we do some quote unquote yoga poses here and there, but the movement is very much um, organic. It's if you think of yoga as being more of a masculine form, being very linear, you see a lot of structure and form. And the movement practice that I lead now, Movement 109, is more in a, the feminine energy of being more receptive, being very fluid and organic. So there's more curve, curves in the movement itself and really listening, as I said, the awareness. So that's how it's shifted a bit the past, um, like particularly the last bit, five years or so and how, I, and how I approach things with my clients, with my students and my clients. Well, that sounds very intriguing. So is it kind of a combination with meditation? Oh, absolutely. I think of it as a moving meditation. So where when you're talking about meditation, a lot of times we think, oh, I have to sit in one spot, right? I have to sit and be quiet and clear out my thoughts. But the deeper I've gone into my studies and the, and the more that I've experienced um, what true meditation is, it's really just what I said before of just being aware. So you could be moving, you could be washing your dishes, you could be running. There are lots of shapes and forms of meditation. It's, it's not the what you do, but it's the how you do it. So if you're doing it in a, in a space of presence, of being aware, that is a, anything can be a form of meditation. So of course you can do all of those things I just listed, running, doing your dishes, moving, but if you're not present in it, if you're thinking about all the 500 things you have to do, the meditation pieces is not a component part of it anymore. You know, thank you so much for sharing that because a lot yeah. of people do have that uh, idea of meditation, you know, it says, oh, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and it is so much more than that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's certain things that I like to do. I mean, I love washing dishes. I'm glad you said that because to me, it's relaxing and I allow my mind to just kind of drift off. Same thing when I'm doing laundry, it just kind of drifts off because it's a no brainer thing. Your physical body is doing the motions of it, even driving. My mind is off in another world. I mean, I'm paying attention to the road. Don't so you're safe yeah. if I'm on the road. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you've you've got this brain chatter is gone. Mm -hmm. And I, I do yeah. some of my best creations. So have you found that since you've been working with the somatic for you know, with yourself and then with your clients, do they have more concentration and maybe more? focus and more direction in, in what they do. Can you share with the audience a little bit about how that results from doing the somatic? Yeah. And I, I want to clarify just a little bit. It, you know, when we're doing anything, like I said, washing the dishes, like you said, folding the laundry, moving, like I, I lead in my movement practice yoga, it's, it's this, it's this clear presence. So I, it's not, a, it's not a drifting out into space. It's actually really being present with what the body is doing, how the breath is being received, right? Really being conscious of breath. Um, and we can also in, integrate to how to direct the energy of the breath in that too. Um, but I do know what you're saying, Beverly, of, of 
being in the space where it's more spacious, I think that's more of what you were saying. It's more of a spacious place, right? Where we're not thinking about the list of all the things we have to do. Is that correct? That's more of what you were saying. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not all that listed stuff is that's the brain chatter that kind of just drives you down a rabbit yeah. hole and then, get, yeah. you know, it can get you overwhelming. And then it's like, oh yeah. my God, I'm never going to get anywhere. You know, it just, yeah. it just keeps on, you know, skyrocketing that way. But yeah, it just, yeah. Like you say, it's so important to focus. Um, you mentioned the breath, you know, and breathing is so relevant for everything. I mean, if you don't breathe, you're going to die because you suffocate, right? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but I, I like what you said when, you know, moving that breath and directing that breath into certain areas. And can you share with the audience why that's critical to become aware of how you're breathing and where you're you're sending that oxygen to mm -hmm. and and how it shifts those cells and maybe relaxes the body and you know what is the actual real importance when it comes to breathing and knowing where you're sending that breath to yeah so something that my teacher taught me years and years ago and i i still carry it with me it's how you do anything is how you do everything and so your body and your breath are your life partners, right? When your soul came into this body, it got the body, it got the breath. And if we don't have one or the other, right, we're no longer here, <laughs> right, as you spoke to it. So how we do anything is how we do everything in life. So how do you breathe? When we're in this practice that I lead, it's, we're paying attention to not just how do I breathe, but where do I breathe? So am I just focused on my breath up in the chest? Is it a shallow breath? Right. So if I'm here taking really short, shallow breaths in the upper chest, I'm probably not living a full life. Right. I'm probably just living with what is right here in front of me and not seeing the expansion of what can be possible. So if I take longer, slower, deeper, fuller breaths, then the perspective of how you see life is going to be fuller. The perspective of how much energy you have to give into this life and how to receive into this life will start to dramatically change. So that's just one example of how, how we breathe is how we do everything out here in life. You know, oh, I love you said that because that is so <laughs> good. You know, I, I live by that rule myself, you know, it's yeah. how you do one thing is how you do everything, yeah. you know, and when you really start to focus on that statement, you start seeing things in your life that are going to probably be a surprise to you or sometime yeah. a little shocking, like, oh my goodness, this is crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's this dance of, you know, a lot of the work that I offer for my clients is to look at our life on the microscopic level. That's being the somatic, like what's happening in our body, what's happening in our breath, or and also the expanded awareness. So being able to see your life from this bird's eye view. And because a lot of times we get caught in the middle, right? That's like doing our to-do list, living in this very material world. And we get trapped thinking that this is it. So when we can go on that micro and that macro level, we get to see, we get to see different perspectives of ourselves and how we are in relationship to everything else. And we get to see how much more um, is possible for us, which is really exciting. Because if we're just in that one state of mind in that 3D world, yeah, we tend to get stuck. It's really easy to get stuck, right? <laughs> oh, so easy to get stuck. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. It's, yeah, 
It's those old habits that die hard. Yeah. You know, share a little bit about your book. What is the name yeah. of your book? And, oh, and thank you. you know, what inspired you to actually put it in paper? Yeah, thank you for asking. So my book is called Dear Radiant One. And it is my own, it's my own journey, my own memoir that I'll tell you a little bit more about in a moment and also a transformational guide. And so I had known there was a something that happened in 2013, which was rather traumatic for me. And I, I knew at that moment that I was going to write this book, but I also knew that it was too raw to, to really experience it and, and write it and honor it. Um, and like what I was just speaking about that macro, like I, I was too close to it to actually write it and have other people to see it. So I had to have some space away from it for a handful of years, do my own healing. And then, you know, here we were in 2020 in the lockdown where we didn't have much else going on except to be at home. So I used that as an opportunity to say, okay, it's time to sit and write this baby. So it's, like I said, it's my journey. It's a little bit more about my own story, not just what happened in 2013, but prior to that, my own childhood trauma. And then I also wanted to be really clear with my intention that it wasn't just about my story, but how my story could invite the reader into their own story and see how it's our story and invite them into a space where, mm -hmm, maybe that they could see that they weren't alone in their own story, that there was some sort of, you know, parallel to mine, um, get, have a space for them to be seen and heard. And then also to give them really practical tools to deal with whatever comes to the surface. So I write letters to the emotions as a way of my storytelling and as an invitation into their own relationship to emotions. Like, anger and fear and trust and love and joy. So oh, that yeah. sounds brilliant. You know, it, <laughs> it, so, well, you know, it, it serves more than one purpose. And, yeah. you know, it's kind of like the show here with 360, you know, what we did is, you know, we, we want to share with the audience, you know, the trials and tribulations and, and, you know, some of the big hurdles and stuff you know, that our, our guest overcame. But first we want to just do like what you were doing here and sharing all about who you are and, and the difference that you're impacting in people's lives right now today so mm -hmm. that they see you as a successful, brilliant, you know, fun, loving, just caring and giving person. And then here in a minute, we're going to take a short break. Nicole is going to come back and she's going to talk to you and ask some questions about, well, how did you get here? What was those <laughs> pivoting moments that people can actually then say, oh my gosh, I just heard all these great things that she was doing and she went through that. Wow. Mm. I guess maybe I don't have it quite so bad, you know, mm. because again, sometimes we get lost in that story and, and our story just keeps getting broader and deeper and uglier, you know, until we wake up one day and say, okay, enough is enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love the idea of how you put that book together. What is the name of your book? Dear Radiant One. Dear Radiant One. Yeah. Well, hey, we're going to have that in, in, in the um, 
hooked onto the to the video here. People are going to have to go out and find that because I, and I'm going to go look it up because I, I love the idea of how you built it together to use it as a workbook style. And, you know, tap on to that little bit about what you said, writing to the emotion. How does that work? And how have you seen that impact some of your clients when you're working with them is to write to that emotion? And what are some of the big, you know, maybe one or two little things that have really shifted in people when they were writing to emotions? Yeah. So I, so in the book, I write letters to the emotions. So I write a letter to dear fear. And what I have found for myself and what I've found with my clients is that when we, first of all, we personify it, like we're able to speak to it directly instead of it just having this power over us. So we get to have a voice and when we're, you know, in relationship to this emotion, whatever it might be. And then what the beautiful thing that happens is that, and I don't do this in the, in the book, but I invite, I invite the reader into doing this for themselves is to have the emotion right back to you. And what, that's where I see a huge shift. First of all, it's just being feeling empowered to have your own voice and speak to that emotion. But then when you channel that emotion to speak to you, what tends to happen is we realize, oh, fear just wanted to be seen and heard. Oh, anger just didn't know how to express itself. You know, so we start to have this re like a really beautiful dialogue between the emotions and we start to negotiate. So you could go back and forth and back and forth as many times as you want writing these letters back um, with the emotions. And, and you might even come to a place where it's like, okay, I need, we need to negotiate here, right? I know that anger, you're never gonna go away, but how can we do it in a way that's healthy, that I'm not gonna hurt myself, that I'm not gonna hurt others and say something that you know might hurt them for years to come. How can we be in this space where um, I can express you and feel you? And then it might write a letter back and say, uh, you need to put an angry song on and let me move my body, you know, so you, you get to, to choose, you get to have this, this dance with the emotions. And that's been a huge game changer for myself and for my clients. Oh, I can imagine it would be. That is a beautiful yeah. way to express that and to, to bring that out, to actually turn the tables and say, okay, now I spoke to you, anger or fear. It's your turn to speak to me. I'm listening, right? And that's yeah. the key there. Listen up when it starts coming back. And wow, that is definitely a powerful healing form of modality that you just like put out there. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Well, we are at the half of the hour here. So we are going to take a short break here from our sponsor. And when we come back, Nicole has some questions for you. Explore with Michelle, an advocate for people who want to be empowered. People who want to connect to their physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. People who desire a relationship with the natural world that surrounds them. Follow Michelle on social media. Scan and book your appointment today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 360 Wisdom Speaks. Our guest today, Miss Phoebe, calling in from the big state of New York. And we are 
just having a whirlwind of conversation here about some of the most beautiful things and really getting in touch with the spirit and the emotions and really understanding what movement is and how beautiful it can be and the breath. So whew, go back and listen to this because I know I am. Now we are going to turn the second half of the show over to Miss Nicole Borgi, and she has got some other questions for you, Phoebe, because she loves to dig deep into the dark night of the soul. Nicole, she's all yours. Well, thanks. So ladies, listening to you and Phoebe uh, about the, uh, the emotional context and the physical context of what you do. You know, it's the, the consciousness of the self. And when you're meditating and um, sharing that, I just wanted to pull that right in right now is before I even get to that question is when you were talking to Beverly earlier, I thought it was a very important statement because I don't hear it enough from people when we talk about drifting off or we talk about meditation in, you know, the exercise or in that one specific moment that we are in that it's very important to iterate that point that it is that self-awareness, the awareness of you, your body, how you're breathing, how you're talking, right? Where you're at and that you've been gifted with the fact of letting go of all that fear gremlins and the sabotage kicking in and chit-chatting with the list of what you got to get at the store, when you got to pick up the kids, all that is removed. And thank you for bringing that in. And that's the importance of the expertise of what you do and what you've learned in life. Because when we, we want to make things simple, they're not easy, but they are simple. But we need to be very, you know, um, to the point and explicit on how we say things to people. So we don't mix that up and create more of their trauma and they're not understanding what they mean in that moment of meditate. And they mean in the, what is meant in the moment of self-awareness because we lose that in all these little particular 30-second reels or we lose that in conversation because people think, oh, that's good. And I believe personally from what I have learned from working with people and the experience that I have in my background, you may not know is in law enforcement and security, a lot of mental health and a lot of in-home care. And, and the worry is that we are missing the very valid point of that self-awareness in that moment. Is this our moment or we have allowed somebody else to take the moment from us? Or that energy to take that moment and kind of steal it from us? Because it's very important in our habits and our rituals and our daily life that we incorporate that moment because it's so fast-paced. And it's it's the nothingness, and so many people are scared of that nothingness, and they fight the nothingness. Well, you know, in in their states of mind, and you know, and I'm sure you're going to elaborate a little bit on that through your life. But it's very important for people to understand because you can't have sometimes one without the other. And if you add all this into your life, you have too much, and your basket's too full, and you're not to the point that you need to be at. And if you can't get to that point, you need to get to the point. You need to be able to get to that point. Because when we don't have self-awareness and we're not conscious 
of our moment, our environment, our reactions and our emotions and our, just our breath and that, that, that we are in life right now, we, if we are not conscious of that, we cannot be conscious of others in our environment. And we cannot be conscious of our role in our environment. And it's, it's very important. It's very much part of why we have this show is to say, hey, we want to share with you how simple and easy life can be. And you don't have to always be triggered and you don't have to always be in that. But come to that one moment where you're in that presence of, okay, I can feel my breath. And right now everybody can hear my voice, but they're conscious of that. And they know that. And that's that consciousness of everything that is conscious. Uh, but thank you. I'm going to get off my soapbox uh, for a minute. But it, I think it's very important for people. And I'm so glad that you're here. And of course, my, my great reigning question of the show is always, how did you get here? What was that moment? And, and obviously, it has to do with your book and your life. Um, but if you could just pick one moment for the purpose of now, what was it that got you here to be the professional, the experienced yoga teacher, the teacher that can calmly sit here and share the beauty of the simplicity of what yoga is, of what exercise is, and what consciousness in life is? What brought you here? Thank you. That's really beautiful, Nicole. Ah, uh, yeah. So, as I mentioned before with Beverly, I had already been teaching yoga for a number of years. I started about 17 plus years ago. But in 2013, what happened was I had been married. I'd been in a relationship for about 15 years up to that point. And my father, who was a very important role in my life, um, which I can dive into a little bit more in a moment, but uh, he passed away. So he passed away in January of 2013. And then two months later, I found out that I'm going to be going through a divorce with my husband of 15 years. And those two moments of time and space were what cracked me open. So even though I had these practices and I was already teaching yoga, it really changed the trajectory of my life where it took so many other big chunks of my life, not just these relationships, but my home, my, my physical, physical well-being, um, potentially my job, because I decided to leave my job to start my own company. Um, and, and what it was, was really an invitation. At that time, I didn't really see it as an invitation. <laughs> I saw it as like this victimhood, like, why is this happening to me? But it quickly shifted to why is this happening for me right now? And how can I co-create with it? And so I, I leaned into that as first my heal, my own healing. I knew that it wasn't just those two events that it was really inviting me into for healing, but everything that led me up until that point. So to go back to the relationship with my father, he was my primary caregiver for most of my childhood until I was about 15 years old. Uh, he was a veteran. Um, he did two tours of Vietnam. He had a severe PTSD, but in the 80s, we did not have a term for PTSD. Uh, so he would go to the VA several times and they just basically said, you know, you have shell shock, whatever, and, and give him, you know, some sort of pill. Uh, but he also self-subscribed. So he was an alcoholic, he was a drug addict. And so what happened when I was 15 years old was it all came to a head. I could no longer, I could no longer handle being his caretaker at that point. 
and I needed to fend for myself. So I left, I left my house um, with my father. I we you know, changed our arrangements living with my grandmother, then my mom. And but it that relationship really led me to all of the other choices that I made, particularly in with relationships with men, being the person that I chose to marry. And so when my father came back into my life in 2009, I felt like, ah, I'm healed. Daddy's home. He's rehabilitated. He's sober. We're going to heal our relationship. Um, and then four years later, he passes away. And it was really the real invitation. And okay, there's so much more going on here. And so that's when I really started to practice what I taught. So yes, I was doing it to a certain extent. I was, you know, I, I, there was a depth to it at that point, but this was where I was like digging deep into my own childhood trauma and, and then seeing how it was showing up unconsciously in all of the other choices that I made. And then I was seeing how it was showing up in the students that I was working with intimately and how they were now making huge choices in their life. They were leaving relationships, they were leaving jobs, they were changing their career path, they were moving. And I saw, okay, there's something bigger that we can do here rather than just yoga poses. <laughs> and so, you know, I was really fortunate enough to have people that trusted me already and lean into this practice that I was exploring beyond the yoga mat. And, um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell for a moment in time. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that vulnerability. It's really, yeah, it's our growth. And sometimes for me, it's almost that our life begins sometimes as others pass because we are so part, much part of their life and that we cannot live independently because of coincidences in the universe and that we need to be part of that person's life. And the beauty is, is the release when they pass for us, because now we can open up to our life um, and a new life and a regeneration, um, you know, and, and in that, through that, the energy fields, the frequencies and the biohacking and that, that change in the, the dimensional walkthrough that we have to move forward, to move up, to rise up. Mm -hmm. It is not necessarily that these people are holding us down and some parts of them are, but we have to live that part of life and live with them in their world that, that they can, that they perceive and they believe. And, and we are part of their world. And when we choose to be part of that world, sometimes we can't move into that, that, that new life. And, you know, it's, it's having worked with, you know, and, and shell shock. And you obviously got what I had said when I was off camera, and that's what they used to call it, was, was shell shock. But in, when we understand what post-traumatic stress disorder is um, and, and what we've dealt with, they have boot camp going in, but there's no boot camp to come out. Mm -hmm. And it's really what we need is when they when people go into boot camp in a military, and I went through the police academy, they're building you up mentally, physically, emotionally to the soldier that you need to be for the purpose that you are meant to serve. You have to be that person because you cannot live through those circumstances without that. You just can't. 
It is what it is. However, when people come out back to our urban life, back to our easy life, um, back to the freedoms that we want to choose, but we are not the ones that fought for that. So we live a different world and a different lifetime than them. They, it's not only to have the grace and patience for them, but to serve them best we can to steer them in the direction to change and to build back into a person that can live in the urban area and with other regular people, as we would call mm -hmm. them. Um, but we are learning after 2020, if nothing else, that Pluto has showed us is the truth of what our reality is and what we perceive our reality to be is not that and and so they they need to, these soldiers need to come back and there is something that was taken away and maybe let's just say a chip was removed so that they can be that soldier and react and respond how they need to put that back in when we get out and how do we do that we don't build them back out there isn't that community that says hey let's go through this physically mentally emotionally Live what you have to live. See what, what you had to see. Recognize where you were and what you did. The choices you made at the, in the moment and the circumstance that you were in that we are not in. We don't need to be in. We don't want to be in. But, but how can they live now in that as the emotional being? And again, that's self-awareness. And they are becoming aware of those two lives and it's it's hard to live in two different dimensions if one foot's here and one foot's here it's hard to live in that back and forth um and it takes a very particular person that can do that you know people like tim kennedy or jocko willenick or you know david goggins what he did what he does just for the you know running and jogging and showing people in the sport um they can't they have learned to live in these two different dimensions and be able to go back and forth as needed. Some of us get stuck. And, and we do that as humans too, in different dimensions and different lives, but bringing that back here. And yoga is a very beautiful thing. Have you taught yoga classes to people with PTSD or taught some yeah. meditation? Yeah, a lot of my work is trauma-based and I actually have a nonprofit tribe, which where we bring the tools of yoga directly to active duty members. So I've been fortunate enough to work at West Point for the cadets at West Point. And this is our mission is to give them the tools at the beginning, like you said, as they enter in as officers so that they have that for themselves, but they can also integrate it into their PT programs. And then this becomes just a way of life. So what you were speaking to was, um, and we didn't use the words of it, but we're, we're speaking really into the, the nervous system, right? So what happens is when, you know, soldiers or anybody of service or anybody who's really going through a traumatic event, they're in the fight, what we call the fight or flight or the sympathetic nervous system. And so when they come back, what you were speaking to of reintegrating into, you know, quote unquote, quote, regular life, they don't know where that switches to come back into that rest and digest. And we're speaking right now about soldiers in the military, but also all of us have collectively been going through this. We don't know where that switches anymore. And so the practice of yoga and the somatic awareness practice that I offer 
is how to regulate the nervous system, how to find that switch to come into the rest and digest, which we call the parasympathetic nervous system. So that yes, there is the straddling that you were speaking to of these two different lives, but we have the choice. We can actually say, hey, I'm in this space that is um, a fight or flight response, but I'm actually physically safe right now. And I don't need to straddle that life. I can stay here and be present and be aware. And something that we really talk about in tribe is this idea of awareness versus hypervigilance because hypervigilance is um, a symptom of PTS. And so hypervigilance is actually looking around and being really vigilant of, of all of the possible things that could go wrong. So that's us living in that fight or flight or free state. But awareness is in the space of the rest and digest where they're looking around, they're very present. That's what we're talking about with Beverly is being really present in the body and being present in the environment, but without the expectation of there being a fear, you know, there's something to fear on the other side. So we can just be with truly what is, know that we're safe and know that if there is something there that is not safe, we can discern there and then we can go into that if necessary, that fight or flight. So that's a lot of the work that I, I do with with the soldiers, with tra trauma um, clients, trauma survivors or thrivers, I like to say, not just survivors. Um, yeah, in yoga and as well as the somatic practice that I do. I, oh, that is awesome because when you do that, you, you're sharing with the community because people are easier in mental health, from what I have seen in the mental health uh, community, that to say that to look at soldiers because there's always more statistics there. Mm -hmm. There's more research there and people are more open to look into what a soldier is doing because they, they are a, we, what we look like as, you know, maybe back in the day, the Roman God, you've got that great physicality of what you do. You're in a, a, a great hyper awareness, mental state where you need to be when you're on the battlefield places that other people you just couldn't go. When I was a hairdresser, I would have never done that. But when I went to the police academy and I lived that other life, you know, it is a different mental state to climb a 30-foot wall and to repel down that. It is a different state to get on that shooting range. It's a different state to jog on the beach at 4 o'clock in the morning when it's 40 degrees and then you're seal crawling into the water to see who can get there first and it's cold. And you don't realize of the cold until you're in the water and you're back running out because you want to be the first one in there. Yes, I did it. Yes, I got to be the first one in there. And that was awesome. I would have never done that before. But in order to get to that mental state where I had a better physicality, where I had a better, stronger state of mind, it, it took a bit of, of that to build up. And now to share that back and, and to keep that here as an energy worker here as a podcast host and to say how does that merge into this life and how do i walk instead of living two different lives when i'm in one uniform or the other what hat am i wearing right and so not to straddle the two dimensions or the two lives but really to be able to walk in and out of it in presence and now that these the military can people will support it because they have great communities and people will rally around it. It's like when you go to the gym, Arnold Schwarzenegger started 
uh, to work with a ballerina to utilize different poses. And that's how he won and became uh, the bodybuilder that he is. Part of that is, you know, um, Royce Gracie uses a breath and there was yogic movements that he used. I believe it was Royce Gracie, anyway, the fighter. And when you learn this, it's a different mind state that they talk about that is now coming into light to say, hey, I can get to a better mental state. I'm not in the maturing candidate state where someone else has taken mind control. I have taken the mind control back. And the beauty is the ease of what you do and appreciating that when you have that community to bring that in and the understanding when you have that background. And of course, military are much more welcome when you say, hey, my, you know, my dad was in the military. This is why I'm not just coming here because I want to be part of it. But there is a story and a history because, you know, they love they love to tell stories and they're great storytellers. And it's a beautiful thing when they share that life with you. And when you come into that and you can say, hey, I can teach you how to change and biohack your life and your cellular at a cellular level. And now you can develop and now you can change. And you see these people come back as these heroes and now they can mentally be here and they can appreciate life and they can live with their family and they can integrate into the world, into society. And they can share these things on a societal way. And then as they change and they bring that back and now they're here mentally, physically and emotionally for their family and for their friends, they come into society and now they're great, great at a greater functioning level then people see that and we can start to talk about that. And you're not just talking about the woo-woo or just the mental health, but what that gives them back. And you've given them this gift to say, hey, this is what I've learned. I want to share this with you and you can change. And it helps with whatever medication they're taking. Sometimes some don't take medication. To get them to stop self-medicating is huge mm -hmm. because that is a, that is a torture when we can't stop that emotional state of our mind and living in that torture and living in that world, although they, some of them choose it at that moment. But there are so many different levels that you share this um, and, and, and to say this and that, that journey for you to write this book and, and to, to share this with our audience is a is a wonderful thing and it's it's a it's a great thing that you share and you know instead of it being a burden you just light up when you talk about it and i see the energy change in you and the energy and the lights were flickering when you were talking about certain things that were going on it was really funny um but you know it, it, it's a, it's a beautiful thing and i'm going to bring beverly back in because it looks like we've been chatting for a while i could talk about this forever because it's something near and dear to my heart obviously <laughs> my dad was in the military or he was a boxer in the navy and uh, my grandfather was an air force pilot and so was my uncle and so bringing that home to say okay how do we do this where we're not hating them where they can we can love them and one last thing before i bring beverly in this is a way for all these wonderful yoga people and these tree huggers that are loving, wonderful beings, instead of getting on your soapbox and pulling out your bullhorn, for you to share with other people, especially on the military, yeah. who seem so opposite right now, yeah. that you can become one because you have the ability 
to move into the world and integrate with them and to and to share with them and that's that's a beautiful thing that's how you make the change right that's yeah. exactly how you make the change all right we'll bring beverly in right now <laughs> thank you thank you uh, it's a beautiful conversation you know and I, i'm listening to you all talk about you know the military especially you know and and they are a big part of everybody's life and i grew up in a very strong military family as well and it's interesting we're having this conversation on independence day weekend right and when when the audience listens to it of course it'll be gone but it's just kind of in, in the presence of it so it's a perfect weekend to have this conversation and what you're doing phoebe is absolutely beautiful and and like you say it's not just a certain segment of the population anyone who has gone through trauma you know trauma is trauma and we all experience it differently sometimes it takes us deeper in into that rabbit hole than others but again as you mentioned the awareness you know and and to have that so i'd like to ask you a question on on the awareness when you start working with your clients or when you start your yoga practice and the somatic, you know, breathing and all of that stuff that you do, what is the first thing that you take your clients or your audience with? How do you prepare them as you begin that process mm. to move out of that trauma? Mm. Um. Every session always starts with breathing together. So just taking that moment to be very clear and with that awareness and the intention to pause. So even though we are coming together formally for a session and we might be meeting on Zoom, we might be meeting in person, but to say, okay, we're pausing everything else. We're crossing that threshold into the sacred space that we're sharing. So I think of every every session almost as a ceremony. And so that ceremony starts with us pausing in our bodies, breathing together collectively, and that will be the gateway, that thresh threshold into our sacred space. And so from there in our session, it might look very different. It might start with checking in and sharing words, what's coming up for you, what sensations are you feeling in your body right now? Are there any emotions? And we, I really try to anchor in the present experience rather than all the stuff that came with you, but actually what is here now? Because a lot of times in that chatter, <laughs> what, we're, what, we're, what we call in yoga vrittis, vrittis are the fluctuations of the mind. They're actually even distracting us from really what is being present in this experience. So we leave that behind and then notice what is the physical sensation of the body what's the emotion happening so that might come like i said through words it might be sharing going a little bit of dialogue back and forth it might be that i might sense that they need to move their body there might be a really strong emotion that is just pent up in some way so i lead them through the movement practice that i've developed uh, it might be a bit of a guided meditation. So I'll check in with their body and see again that could be through words that could be me just witnessing them and feeling them. And then we we decide how we're going to co-create and move that energy for them through them in that next handful of however long that session is. And then we close the ceremony again with that pause, with the breath, and then with the intention of whatever came through that ceremony to bring it back out into the space. 
so that they can bring that with them and integrate into their world. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt that that had to come out, you know, because mm-hmm. it's critical. And I'm going to ask one more thing of you. And Go you're going to love that. Go and I know it. you're going to say breathing because it is critical. So. <laughs> All right. Let's see what the question <laughs> let's is. Let's see what that is. We usually leave the audience with three major tips that they can walk mm-hmm. away from today's conversation and incorporate that into their life in in the now. So if you mm-hmm. had three tips for the audience to walk out of this conversation, to give okay. them to share and to bring into their life, what would that be? I'm going to give you four. Okay. <laughs> and they're, they're, really, they're really quick. They're really quick. So it's an acronym, PLAY. P is just what I already said, pause. So whatever that experience is, to pause the the dialogue. L is to listen, to listen to what is actually here in this moment. So again, that could be closing the the eyes and breathing for a moment and listening to, okay, what sensations here? What what physical um, feeling is coming in my body, right? Like I might have anxiety, so my breath is moving a bit quicker, my heart's beating a little bit faster. So listening to the symptoms of of what your present experience is in the body. And then A is just simply, if you're not in a space that you're, you know, that is desired, let's call it, then we activate. Okay, so what do I want on the other side of this in the next 10 breaths or the next hour, whatever, you get to decide when that that activation begins. But what do I, how do I wanna feel? So if I'm in a space of of anxiety, I wanna activate peace and calm. And then I take just a moment to visualize that. And I say, the why is a full body yes. So what do I need to do to lean into that activation? It might be that I need to, I might actually need to move my body in order to get to that piece. There's so much pent up energy. So that why that yes might be that I have to like shake out my body, just shake out all that tension. And then at the end, we receive that, that yes. So play, pause listen, activate how you want to feel, and then say a full body yes. Give it expression. Oh, that (laughs) is absolutely adorable. I I love that. Play (laughs) is always good. I love to play. And to be able to, (laughs) yeah, you know, it it keeps everything light and happy and resilient and, and just beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing with us today, Phoebe. This is absolutely awesome. And we're going to have to have you come back to a part two and, uh, you know, get into some more of this because it's so unique and so beautiful and so well needed in the world today. Mm -hmm. So thank you again so much for being here. All of Phoebe's information, her contact information and her book, everything is is gonna be here attached to the video and attached to the audio. So definitely reach out to her. And if you're listening to this episode today, please comment below. What did you like most? What would you like her to talk about the next time she comes back? (laughs) Let us know because we'd love to read and hear your comments and so would she. So thank you again. And Nicole, thank you so much for being here. And this is 360 Wisdom Speak saying, go out there make it a great day and we will see you on the next episode. Explore with Michelle an advocate for people who want to be empowered. People who want to connect to their physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies.
people who desire a relationship with the natural world that surrounds them. Follow Michelle on social media. Scan and book your appointment today.